Hello, and welcome to a spooky wrap-up with the Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your Cinemechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and this will be one of our traditional wrap-up episodes. We're wrapping up the socially obligated Halloween trilogy. Um, this year we did, I guess it's the first year, but this year we did The, uh, the Shining, 1980s The Shining, 2014's It Follows, and 2003's Gothica. So Travis, what were your initial thoughts of our our socially obligated trilogy? Uh, I, I think we did well in terms of movie selection. Uh, hopefully, this is going to be the first of many, you know, seasonally obligated trilogies, specifically for Halloween. I think, as I mentioned on all of the reviews, horror. Other than musical, there's no genre that I enjoy less. So. Maybe I blew my load on using It Follows and you using The Shining, but I think we had two-thirds of a great trilogy, and I think it's interesting to talk about where Gothica failed in comparison to the other two, but what were your overall thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job. I do think it's interesting. I think we inadvertently went in a very specific direction in terms of subgenre of of horror because we definitely, I think, went with the psychological ther- uh, thriller type side of it. Um, with all three of the movies, obviously, I think two of them succeeded way better than the other. Um, but like, we didn't do any kind of slasher in there. Um, I guess Gothica, you could, you could, and it follow. I guess all of them have a little bit of paranormal. If you wanted to go ghost story, I don't think any of them are really what I would traditionally call a ghost story. I think they just all had elements of spirits or ghosts in it. Um, but yeah, I, I ultimately I think we did a, a a pretty solid job with this trilogy. Yeah, and I was trying to drill down on why I appreciated it follows and the shining a lot more. It's probably a long list. But I wanted to go with something a little more abstract. I feel like all three movies leave you with a lot of questions. Uh the difference to me is I'll start with the positive. It follows in The Shining. The questions that they ask, they aren't really knowable, but I think they're a good conversation for, you know, if you're watching these movies in a group, you could spend another 30 to 40 minutes after credits roll and and have an intelligent conversation about the questions that they ask. So The Shining, you know, we, we touched on a lot of this, but was Jack always crazy? You know, is Jack a reincarnation of uh, a previous caretaker? Um, and really a million more, so much so that The Shining literally generated Room 237, which is a documentary that focuses on some of the questions that the movie asks, either overtly or subvertly. Um, so before I get into the questions of It Follows, did you have any comment on some of the questions that The Shining asks? Um, not so much. I, you know, we, we touched on the actual review with, you know, how it did deviate a lot from the source material and Stanley Kubrick made his own latest. Yeah. Yeah. Made his fair, his own versions of it. But I, I think I'll let you continue down this path. Cause I think there's another reason why I think we, we gravitated towards these and I'll, I'll save that till after your, your questions. Well, again, touching on the questions that a movie may lead to after that would lend themselves to the discussion, uh, it follows. I know you had some character motivation questions as far as the way Jay behaved, but I thought those were minor questions. 
much more interesting would be, you know, what is the history, the origin of the creature? You know, how would the sex demon navigate, you know, rivers and oceans? Do you believe the movie's an allegory for something? If so, I feel like there's lots of options on what you believe that might be. So again, it sparks a lot of conversation post the movie. And I think I brought up my preferred horror is the one that kind of leaves me unsettled and questioning things after I leave the movie instead of just relying on jump scares. Both movies do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Gothica also leaves me with questions. Like, how did this get made? That's the primary one. But <laughs> again, we covered it in the movie, but just compare and contrast the questions you're left with. In Gothica, I'm asking if... If the ghost wants Halle Berry to avenge her, why is the first step in that plan to frame her for murder? And going further, why did she choose Halle Berry's character at all? Uh, And, okay, even if she had a reason to pick her, why are you carving ominous words into her arm instead of just communicating? You know, why does the ghost destroy a key clue that would ostensibly help another victimized woman in Chloe? So all the questions I have about Gothica lend themselves to just ripping the movie apart, which is the exact opposite of the first two. So that's why I'm drawn to It Follows in the Shining, among other reasons. But I thought that was an interesting point to just bring up, at least. For sure, for sure. I I think another reason that we gravitated, honestly, to all three of these movies, I selected them, and two of them were much more successful, is they're all very atmospheric horror movies. Like a lot of it is about what's going on outside of the scene or behind the scene or, you know, creating tension with the long shots and the score and stuff like that. And obviously the shining and it follows do a much, much better job of that um, with, you know, at one point not understanding what the real threat is. And even when you do know what the threat is, how exactly do you, you know, retaliate against it or, or try and survive. Whereas Gothica, it wanted to be atmospheric, you know, um, with it being set in, you know, a penitentiary for, you know, the mentally insane and stuff like that. It's just, I think it fell short. You know, I think they relied on the the gray filters and stuff like that. And, you know, flashy images, you know, whenever the, the ghost was attacking Halle Berry's character. Um, but at the end of the day, it just, it didn't, it didn't do a good job at setting that atmosphere because again, it should have been a slam dunk with where the movie was set. I think another reason that Gothica just didn't work is Gothica tries to make it almost kind of film noirish where you're piecing together what actually happened. And the motivation is the ghost attacking Halle Berry. And by the end of it, like none of the pieces, it doesn't feel like there were any real breadcrumbs. Like when you go back and watch it and you think about it, like when Chloe's talking about like, you know, she's being raped by the devil and all that. I'm like, okay, clearly like, and I don't know if it's because of how many movies I watch, but I'm like, okay, there's going to be an inmate with a devil tattoo. Like I just, I immediately assumed that that was, you know, oh, she's not crazy. This is what really what's going to be here. And like as clever as I think Gothic was trying to be or to, to create this mystery, I just don't think it did a good job at creating a mystery. So it wound up trying to split itself between this atmospheric horror movie in this you kind of mystery film noir-esque movie, you know, gothic movie. And at the end of the day, I don't think it succeeds well in either one of them, which is why it leaves you just like, what happened at the end of this movie? And then when it seems like she's going to wind up becoming a median at the end, it just, none of it's really earned or deserved. It's just kind of like, like you said, like the questions you ask at the end was like, okay, was she always a medium at this? Like in like, she just never realized her power or by helping this ghost, like, you know, the, the whole I see dead people with, 
you know, in, in the, the sixth sense, like they established that early that he sees dead people. Like it wasn't a one off. And then you find out at the end, it's like, that's something he's always lived with. So it, again, it's just, it, to me, Gothica was just, it was a lot, a, a couple okay ideas executed poorly. Yeah, I even think of a movie that came out the same year as The Sixth Sense called Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon. Very similar stuff, but again, that movie, he gets hypnotized, and that kind of opens his brain to a different side of reality. Whatever you think about that, that is a quick 30-second explanation that is as plausible as it can be to make you not continue to question those little plot minutia things. Whereas Gothica, any tension built towards the end is kind of ruined by the ridiculous questions that a bad script continues to have you to ask if you're paying any bit of attention. Mm -hmm. The the only switcheroo or tension Gothica is trying to create is make you believe that Peter or Pete Robert Downey Jr.'s character is the villain in that movie. And then it's like, oh, it's a switcheroo. No, he actually is a really good friend. And it, it was it was the husband who, at the beginning of the movie, claims that he is God, is the bad guy. And it's like, no, he clearly is is <laughs> like a megalomaniac. Like, nothing, nothing that happens in Gothica is a surprise. And therefore, there is no real mystery to unravel. And there's no tension whatsoever in the movie because you kind of already know I guess, where it's going. And even if you don't, you don't really care. Exactly. And as you've said, it follows in The Shining are much more atmospheric and they don't try to just tie in the, the evil humanity of bad people to ultimately be the villain, which is what Gothica does. To me, that's a completely different genre. And even when successfully executed, I'm thinking of something like True Detective Season 1, that show teases you with a lot of supernatural horror elements, but ultimately it's just the evil of man. And even that didn't exactly stick the landing, but it was artfully done. And you have something like Gothica, which feels like a lot of copy and paste, feels like a lot of, hey, Halle Berry's the hottest actor in Hollywood. Let's give her a vehicle. It, it doesn't feel organic at all. It feels like, a hodgepodge of different elements that don't ultimately work. Whereas it follows in the shining, whatever flaw you may have or find it's a singular vision to me, at least. Mm -hmm. I also think it follows in the shining do a great job of like, you're very centered on the characters and even their side characters. Like, you know, where the focus is, where is Gothica, like Penelope Cruz's character and Pete and all that. None of them really seem to assist or help, the story along very much like chloe felt like she was a lost opportunity chloe's main point was just to show you know halle berry that she wasn't crazy or you know at the end of the day that you know oh so you know i guess whatever you're projecting can be real or something like that i, I don't know it just it seemed like a lost opportunity with with her character in general and again the the big reveal at the end with the the ranch where the with the smut films being you know filmed and all that like it comes out of out of nowhere like there's there's nothing to really set you up like you could have had the ghost say something that would have been kind of like wait why would you say that like you know like if she said something like called her husband by a nickname or something like that that would have implied that there was some connection that you know how would the ghost have known that how would this girl have known that and then like that kind of leads Halle Berry to believe that there's something more there but 
it really is i mean she's just kind of being led along along by a ghost that at the same time for some reason resents and hates her and you know at the end of the day there's really no payoff or satisfaction when Halle Berry actually does catch the quote-unquote bad guys at the end yeah and again that's the pitfall of trying to mix supernatural horror with an actual real world kind of serial killer motif at if you don't handle it correctly, those two forces kind of butt up against each other. And that's one of the many reasons I did not like Gothica. Mm -hmm. It is because, yeah, it was Charles S. Dutton the whole time based upon the six minutes on screen you got <laughs> with him. It feels like a cheat to me. Yep. And what's funny about all three of these is I would consider all three of these movies a slow burn. I don't th I think all of these are are long movies and there are definitely periods of time where like there's not a whole lot going on and again slow burns which i have absolutely nothing wrong with and like each one of them uses you know tension and like the attack from whatever you know the supernatural force or whatever going on to, to kind of basically keep you going along to, to jump you um you jump your heart so that you're going not jump scares but you know just to kind of keep you moving along um but at the end of the day like the shining and it follows their they're interesting and somehow gothica it still has kind of that slow born but it's just it's just boring like and we talked about this before i don't know if it was just the this the coloring of the film also kind of makes it dreary or not but like the the movie itself is just it's just a bore like it's not fun to get through yeah and, and i guess i'll just continue to harp on the singular vision element you know, The Shining, you don't have to ask whose vision that is. I mean, Stephen King is pissed, but it's Stanley Kubrick's vision. Mm -hmm. It Follows is a a director who kind of already used his previous movie as a jumping off point to this, and now he's got a little more budget, and he can tell the story that he wants to tell. Gothica, from my research, was kind of a French indie darling director who was getting his chance in Hollywood. Hollywood's not going to take a chance on that with a super big budget unless, hey, Halle Berry is signed to this, you know, talent agency and they're looking for a uh, horror vehicle. Because as we mentioned in the review, the mid 2000s, horror movies were a very profitable industry. And I guess today they even still are, you know, when you consider the small budget to the box office. Um, but then it also feels like, hey, we've got Robert Downey Jr., a big name who we can get still kind of on the cheap because he's not all the way back. And hey, you know what? At Live Biscuit Band, that's a big deal. <laughs> you know, could we work a song into there? It feels like a lot of parts stitched together, whereas the other two were not that. So the results don't surprise me at all. Which which is interesting to me because when you look, all of these are R-rated horror movies too. As we're talking about, the 2000s were notorious for the PG-13 horror movie, right? And watching gothica it made no sense to me why that movie was rated r there was nothing in that movie that needed to be rated r like with it follows like there's not really any gore but like even because of the theme of the movie the nudity in and it follows makes sense it's not to me gratuitous it's just like oh no like when you think it's a sex demon and it's about unsettling and all that like all the nudity in that makes sense the shining again i would say like I wouldn't really call that gratuitous again it's it's about these unsettling scenes and stuff like that and you know the nudity i think about that it's like 
you have this like gorgeous model kind of you know spider crawls out of the bathtub and then it is the juxtaposition of when she turns into a decaying old body like again it's that unsettling nature of basically how the two bodies basically flip at the blink of an eye and stuff like that so whereas gothica again like there's the women i i can all i can assume is that that's where the r comes from because i'm trying to remember if there's any real violence but i'm like basically you just have the women's like communal shower scene and i'm like this is so unnecessary i have no idea why this scene needed to be in the movie or shot like this you know the only thing i can think of to quote it's always sunny in philadelphia is it's the implication of what Miranda Gray's husband and, you know, the sheriff are doing. Although we don't really see any, as you would call it, smut or snuff film stuff. It's heavily implied. So that was my assumption, that that subject matter is just too heavy to allow, you know, a couple of 13-year-olds on their first date to roll in and watch. That's my assumption, at least. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, that, that might be it. I just... I just think it's very interesting, again, trying to make that Gothica seems like it's that Hollywood trying to just cram as much, like, you know, what will get people to come see this movie to make as much money off of it as possible, but yet then putting it out of reach out of a large, you know, section of the audience by not having it PG-13. So, hell, even Venom, Let There Be Carnage was PG-13. So I just, it was a very interesting choice to me to to keep that movie R rather than doing what you needed to, to, to get it down to a, a PG 13 rating. Yeah, no, I agree. It feels like a cynical cash grab except for that R rating. Yep. So if you don't have anything else to talk about the three movies in our, our trilogy here, you know, I think we can jump into, we'll go ahead and do our, our next segment where we rate the movies objectively and subjectively. Um, do you have anything else or you want to jump into that? Uh, yeah, let's move ahead. All right, so this is the part where, you know, as as being as critical as we can and as self-conscious and self-aware, we realize that the movies that you love aren't always the movies that are the best, right? So at this point, this is where we try to create a list of what we subjectively, what our favorite movies in this trilogy were, and then objectively, from a an artistic standpoint, from a, you know, looking at this as in the eyes of a, a film critic or, you know, cinema enthusiast, what was the actual best movie in the trilogy so um travis i think we'll start with you know subjective you know if you were to rate these one two three what would be your absolute favorite movie and what would be your least favorite uh i'll work i'll work in reverse order okay uh, i will say that my subjective and objective will probably be the same i'll have one little caveat okay uh but subjectively it's no surprise Gothica is far and away the worst movie of this trilogy. I don't really have much more to say about it. Uh, so I'll move to number two, which is It Follows. Um, and obviously that leaves number one as The Shining. Um, subjectively, I think It Follows is much closer to The Shining than maybe critics would say. But ultimately, I think it'll it'll stack up the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you want me to elaborate further? Sure. I mean, if, if, if you got something to say, let's hear it. Um, I don't know if this is good criteria to grade, but I saw The Shining. I was definitely 
12 or under. Um, so it left an impact on me, but I, I can say that about a lot of media. Uh, I mean, when I saw Ninja Turtles the first time, the 1990 original, I was like, holy shit, this is a top five movie of all time. So I have found that as I got older, it's harder for a movie to have impact on me. And It Follows had similar impact to what I remembered from watching The Shining, you know, the first couple of times through. And very few movies can hit me that same way. And even less horror films can hit me that way. I, I can't think of a, a post-2000 horror movies that approach the level of love I have for It Follows. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge the technical expertise of The Shining still are they're second to none. So that's why I still give it a slight edge. And you also have to say that it follows does not exist probably unless Kubrick does the shining. So I'll still give the shining the nod, but I think it follows is still criminally underrated. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what about you? Um, so you're saying your subjective and objective were the same. Yeah, only I would say it was neck and neck subjectively. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah. I, I mine are a little bit different. Uh, my subjective and objective worst film are the same. Uh, Gothica was just as we said. I, I think it's it's cold garbage. It's not even hot garbage because hot garbage would be fun to watch. Um, I just think it was boring, unoriginal, um, and as we said, kind of a soulless crash cash grab at a certain point. Um, so subjectively. I would say of It Follows and Shining, I would I would put The Shining on top. I think, you know, the visuals of The Shining are just absolutely gorgeous. As you said, you know, they've influenced filmmakers far and wide since then. Um, I Jack Nicholson's acting in that movie, although it is, you know, to a certain degree, almost overacted to the point where we laugh and, may, you know, we quote that movie all the time um, because of the delivery of a lot of those lines from uh, Jack. Um I, I would say that The Shining is still the movie I would go back and watch. Even though when I watched it this time, there were definitely pieces of it I forgot that existed. And I was like, oh, no, this is like a standard cut of this. This isn't like an extended director's cut of it. It's just it's a very long movie. But I still think from an enjoyment level, I absolutely love The Shining for, for many, many, many reasons. Um, it follows as very, very good on a technical level and all that. I, uh, you know, I think it does have some rewatchability. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think I, you know, I, I would go back and necessarily watch this as frequently. And there's definitely not as much quotable stuff out of it. And I don't think it's it's as fun, even if The Shining wasn't intending to be fun. Um, I think The Shining is just a, a, a more fun movie. Um, and kind of it's over the topness of of Jack Nicholson. Objectively, you don't think well, real quick, hmm? you don't think Kubrick meant it to be fun. Like, he might have. That he also didn't mean the first half of Full Metal Jacket to be fun. I mean, I think he did. I think he definitely had Jack Nicholson play. I think in his own twisted way, in a way that we we you know find a love for, like his over the topness is just to show how crazy Jack is. Like Jack Nicholson does a great job at showing just how insane jack is but it is over the top in how insane he is like is there is no crazy under the skin by the end of that movie like it is all on the table like he is full nutso by the end of that movie and not to say that they're not having fun with how crazy jack has gotten but at a certain point like there is i'm not gonna say it's distracting but there is definitely a certain point of it where like it is like 
I should I'm having more fun watching this man go crazy than I probably should with the the setting and the overall theme of this movie like this isn't a movie that's supposed like you know anger management where it's fun watching basically you know Adam Sandler kind of go a little crazy as he you know has is gets pushed along by Jack Nicholson this is a movie where we're legitimately supposed to be watching like a man start to basically abuse and kind of like look at his family in a way where he wants to murder them but at the same time I'm very much enjoying it and think it's it's very funny and entertaining as it's happening and like it's it's a weird juxtaposition, you know. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm starting to know what you mean in terms of maybe your order being different. So, do you want to go there? Yeah. So, objectively, I think it follows is actually a better movie than The Shining. Um, I think it definitely helps. It is a very contained story, and even though I don't necessarily agree with what the, how the characters choose to end. Because um, I've said before, you know, I, I would have much rather like Bonnie and Clyde or, you know, Thelma and Louise, like they're just it's a life on the run from the monster. Like that's how they're going to live their life. They're not going to let it keep them down type thing as opposed to just kind of embracing the inevitable and settling down, which I, I think is kind of an, an interesting play and movie. But I think that the way that it's shot, the tension that it creates, the story that it uh, it has, the atmosphere, I think it's all contained and, and much stronger. Um, and I think one of the things that hits The Shining the worst is the third act. I think It Follows is consistently a better movie. The third act of The Shining kind of goes off the rails with, you know, we talked about like the scene where, you know, uh, What's-Her-Face walks in and it's up, it's a, it's a, what is it? Ballroom full of skeletons. Oh, and us, oh my God, it's so spooky. And, you know, all the ghosts start showing up out of, out of pretty much nowhere. And it's like, okay, this is, this is where the movie kind of, it just, completely derails and then you know um the one the the chef getting killed at the end like there's there was no like it, his character coming back aside from basically allowing the the mother and son uh, a, a way to escape into the into the coldness in the the new snowcat like his character that's all his character brought at the end which i thought was weird like there was no reason to have him just immediately killed off aside from the fact that like I guess you needed someone to die in the movie other than Jack. So, um, like I said, and even then the the ultimate conclusion of of the the Shining, it's basically just Jack dies. But at the end of the day, the hotel and the spirits and all that, like they continue to fight another day, right? So there's no resolution on that end. It really is just because Jack isn't necessarily the villain of the Shining. It's the hotel itself and you know the presence that it has. Um, and it just kind of consumes Jack. And again, that creates those conversations you talked about at the beginning. Was Jack always there? Was he a reincarnation? Is this just basically him absorbing the spirits of the hotel? But um, at the end of the day, like I said, I think it follows as a more consistent movie in its messaging and basically the way that the the story arcs, um, even if it's not necessarily the way I wanted it to end. I think it is it is the better of the two movies. Even wow, with I, The Shining striking visuals. Because The Shining has, again, beautiful shots. And, you know, again, it probably did influence It Follows. I just, I really have to knock The Shining for the third act where it just kind of falls off the rails a little bit, you know? I am pleasantly surprised because I never thought It Follows for you would top The Shining in any list. I think it's interesting, though, that you complain about the third act of The Shining because as much as I love It Follows... The reason I can't put it above The Shining ultimately is because I think the third act of It Follows 
really betray, not betrays, but falls flat compared to the rest of the movie. I mean, I mentioned it in my review. Your final set piece is an invisible man throwing electronic appliances. Um, I think the movie recovers to give you a nice last image to go off of with them walking down the street with yet again another character following behind them. It may or may not be the sex demon. But while The Shining kind of falls flat in the third act in terms of that windy haunted house ghost chase, it still has the hedge maze. It still has the zoom in on the picture. Mm-hmm. So again, very close, but I'm still going to put The Shining just slightly ahead. Yeah. All right. But I, I, I'd love that you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I would subjectively take The Shining over It Follows every day. Like, it, it, I just would. I just think if I'm, if I'm looking at it through a critical lens, and even as you're saying It Follows Third Act kind of falls flat, I still think that it's, it's true to the characters and it still follows, I think, a similar pacing and path as the movie like to me that those characters that's the logical step for them it's like okay now in their adolescence think they're going to take on a sex demon with some cockamamie idea that they probably got from the tv at the beginning of the movie and it falls flat they fail miserably and have to basically decide if they're going to you know pass this on through prostitutes or you know as it's implied or they're they're going to live with it. It's not one of these things where at the end of the day, like, you know, oh, we're just going to fight the sex demon and we're going to beat it as a bunch of kids with no knowledge on, you know, anything mystical True. or anything like that. You know, I, I think it it makes sense for them to try and then fail miserably. Uh, you know what? That's a good way to look at it. I didn't necessarily like the way the plan looked on screen, but I think you made the most important point. They're 19 year olds, so it's not going to be a well-trained military group led by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like, it's nice in that imagery that you see her floating at the beginning of the movie and the, the, the above ground pool at her house. And then it ends again at another pool later in the movie. I still think it's another one of those where I think they could have laid a few more breadcrumbs about them swimming or something like that. It's like, okay, this is why this setting was chosen as opposed to, as they're walking to it, they talk about like, remember when we were kids and we went to the pool? We kissed here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, I, I would say, I, I think it follows objectively as a, a stronger horror movie um just from beginning to end but i think the shining is a far more entertaining movie well said so with that do you want to jump into our uh critic and and audience reviews via rotten tomatoes or do you want to do a little character swap um let me just go ahead and jump into character swap all right i like it we're gonna change the pace a little bit here so character swap do you want to give us a quick brief on what character swap is absolutely uh so we do wrap up uh on each trilogy we complete um we'd like to keep these a little briefer because they're more of a bonus episode but we wanted to have one segment in here and i think we both agreed mutually it would be fun to just take a character from one of the movies you know, in this case, The Shining, It Follows, Gothica, transport them from their movie, and how would they interact with the other characters in the universe you placed them? Um, 
So I'm taking a character from the Shining universe and I'm transporting them to Gothica. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a little dick in Halle Berry's Gothica. Alrighty. A little dick. Uh, yeah. So it's Dick Halloran. Oh, oh, I get, uh, I get you, but you were like, like a penis. You're oh, it was a I. That was thank good. You. That was yeah, a little, okay. Little <laughs> dick in Halle Berry's Gothica. <laughs> I even typed in long pause. Long anyway. pause or little dick? Just big enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we both agreed that Dick was kind of criminally misused in The Shining. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. So I wanted to give him a chance to shine, pun intended. Uh, so I'm going to be pretty brief, um, but jump in where you'd like. All right. So I imagine this new movie, uh, it's going to be Gothica featuring Dick Halloran. And it's going to open with Halle Berry driving through the storm. She's about to be rerouted away from the sinkhole. Uh, but then we're going to cut to Rachel, which was the ghost in Gothica. Okay. And she's going to be waiting near the road to kind of ambush Miranda. So, number one, I just thought it would be funny to imagine seeing one of these ghostly characters before the character they're supposed to care shows up. So she's just kind of pacing in the pouring rain in her hospital gown. And while she's waiting, Dick Halloran's going to walk out of the woods. And uh, Dick's going to be dead because he was killed in The Shining. Oh, so he's... Okay, okay. So this is a, yeah, so this is two, a sequel. It's two spirits right. communicating. Got it. This is a crossover. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a good way to say it. Uh, and Dick's just going to ask her what the hell she's doing. And Rachel's going to be very confused because she thought she was the only spirit in this movie. And on the side of the road, Dick's going to pull her aside and he's going to admonish her for her plans for Miranda. Uh, and he's going to be speaking to her through the shine, much like Danny. So she's going to be confused, like, hey, how is he talking to me? And Rachel's going to silently listen to Dick, you know, wondering what's going on, who this man is. And while she's trying to interpret what's going on, Miranda's car is just going to speed past safely. <laughs> and Rachel's going to throw a tantrum and get pissed off because Dick just ruined her plan. Mm hmm. Uh, do you, you kind of see where I'm going with this, Brett? Well, yeah, he cock-blocked her. <laughs> so another scene I was thinking about, again, we're going to join Rachel mid-ghost shit, and she's going to be in the shower, and she's going to be carving a ghostly shiv so that she can write that phrase not alone into Miranda's arm. And we're going to have Dick awkwardly shuffle in in the background and he's kind of averting his gaze because he doesn't want to be disrespectful to all those naked women. Right. So he's kind of like not looking. But he's going to admonish Rachel again for her plan to just carve up Miranda. And he's going to try to mentor her in, in the shine I, wait, as quick. a more effective way to communicate. Okay. I do like that you say that he doesn't want to gaze at them because he wants to respect the naked woman when in the I shining. The in the shining, he has <laughs> giant pictures of naked women in his apartment in Miami. <laughs> Brett, the artwork was commissioned, okay? Those women gave consent. Awesome. The women just in the shower be... did not. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'll give Dick's, you that. Dick's with it, all right. So he's gonna just kinda take Rachel under his wing, much like he tried to do to Danny mm -hmm. and kind of show her the right way. It's like, Hey, if you want Miranda Gray to help you, 
let's not frame her for murder. Let's not carve into her arm. And that's pretty much where I took it, Brett. And I just wanted to see if you had any humorous asides, but that's kind of the character swap vibe I was going for. Dick's going to have the opportunity to mentor another young troubled person. I I like it. I also, it didn't, until you mentioned this now, I never really thought of why Rachel didn't, if she could possess someone else, why didn't she just possess the husband and then have him jump off a roof? Or possess the husband and kill the sheriff or vice versa. Yeah, why did she, why did she possess an innocent person um, and decide to, yeah, as you said, frame them for murder? Yeah, and I was even going to say, well, hey, the the husband and the sheriff would have been in the asylum as well for her to possess, but she doesn't even really possess Miranda inside the asylum. That could have been anybody driving that car. Yeah. Also, how did Miranda get out of prison? Cause like, even if you prove that her husband was, you know, abducting, raping and murdering other women, she still murdered him in cold. Like it wasn't defensive. She still murdered him in cold blood. Like, She's still a criminal. Yeah, stalked him through the house. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, there's so much of that movie that just makes no sense. <laughs> but okay, uh, no, I like it a lot. As as I like Dick as a yeah as a uh, kind of a, a ghost guide, you know. Yeah, I admittedly I'm kind of aping what they did in Doctor Sleep a little bit, but I, I loved having Dick back and being able to mentor Danny again. And Gothica, I don't know a way to salvage that movie, but if anybody could, I feel like it's Dick Howard. So if I'm honest, when you said you were putting Dick in Gothica, I thought you were going to have him as the penitentiary chef and he was going to talk to Miranda throughout the film and try and like shine with her and help her get her memory back. But I, I like it as a crossover as opposed to just transporting the character in. Yeah, yours would have made for a more... Again, movie that maybe actually gets made. Mine's got a little bit of a comedic element as Dick just can't believe that this girl's plan is to just psychologically abuse the person she wants to help her. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much mine. I, I kept it brief because it's the wrap up. Uh, what about you? So I'll tell you what I, I landed on and then I'll tell you what like because my the one I landed on is a cop out, um, but I couldn't I couldn't land the plane with what I originally wanted to do. So my, my cop-out is to essentially have Sheriff Ryan as an inhabitant or a spirit of the Overwatch Hotel, because I think him being a Satan, Satanist, um, I think matches with a lot of the other just horrible, terrible spirits in the hotel. So at a certain point, you know, Jack might meet up with, with Sheriff Ryan uh, somewhere in one of the ballrooms and have a cocktail with him, or maybe he's sitting at the bar and just has like a, a throwaway line or something like that. But that was my low-hanging fruit. I think if you take Sheriff Ryan and you put him in the Overwatch Hotel, I, I think he makes sense. And like I said, he could have some kind of conversation, maybe some kind of dialogue similar to, you know, how him and Miranda had one where it's it's Jack realizing like what kind of person he is by describing it to Ryan. And then Ryan is like having that dialogue so that Jack realizes how crazy he is. And that's when he decides to murder his family. That's his his realization. Um. So the one I couldn't figure it out was I originally wanted to put the sex demon in Gothica. And my motivation was you, that ultimately Ryan 
like rapes Chloe. And I was thinking it would be satisfying for Ryan to be killed by the sex demon as a basically his ultimate punishment for being a terrible, awful person. And plus, I thought the sex demon roaming the halls of the penitentiary would be absolutely terrifying because you're confined. You really can't escape or get out. So, like, you're trying to escape a presence that it is walking after you, but you are also basically in a rat maze. And, like, there's no way to get out. You don't know where the entrance or the exit is. Even at that point, you could have put the sex demon in the maze at the end of The Shining and it would have been terrifying. But ultimately, that was where I wanted to go. My problem at the end of the day was... That would mean that the sex demon ultimately still comes back for Chloe. And I'm like, I don't know how you resolve it to where Chloe is not also punished in the same light. Does not also end up being killed by the sex demon. So that's that's why I end up basically pulling out of that idea. Is I just, I didn't think, that, you know, justice for Chloe. Like, she's already been through so much. Um, to have her also murdered by the sex demon didn't seem appropriate. Uh, I agree, and I might have to process the logistics of, yeah, because I guess for Sheriff Ryan to be killed, Chloe would have to be killed. Yeah, that's why it doesn't work. Because I was thinking, otherwise, you could have Chloe and Miranda kind of as a bit of a punishment for taking justice into their own hands. They're pursued by the demon, but they're also now making that Thelma and Louise road movie you were talking about as mm -hmm. they help other people. But you can't really get to that end unless Sheriff Ryan is still alive. Right. And even then I thought, well, what if they wound up having, like, when Sheriff Ryan and, I was it Douglas, or Doug, when they, like, rape and kill a woman, like, what if they, you know, the woman had the sex demon chasing her, so now they basically got it passed on. And then again, it's one of those where I'm like, that's not the right message for the movie. Like, I don't want it to be, like, they're killed because someone else, like... Again, it, it was too messy. I couldn't. I couldn't make. I couldn't make it work where it wasn't just like sending the wrong message, and uh, to me, somewhat derogatory. Yeah, so it, it was. I mean, it's just... a movie about mm -hmm. you know believing survivors, but in that movie, we would be punishing the survivors not only by human authorities but by sex demon authorities. Right. So to me, if there was a way to make it to where it wasn't a sex demon and it was pursuing somebody like that would have been a cool entrance. But like, I just, I couldn't justify any of the, I couldn't justify Ryan or Doug getting the, the sex demon for them to be killed by it, even though it would be a horrific, terrible death that they deserved in order for them to get it. It would mean that unless somehow Ryan could summon it and it wound up going, I, again, I, I just, I couldn't figure out a way to do it without someone a survivor being punished for it as well. Yeah, I think your instincts were right there. Yep. So with that, we'll move into kind of our, our final segment here where we're going to see Travis. If you can guess where these movies landed in order from both a critic review and an audience score. And the reason we like to use Rotten Tomatoes is because it is a pass-fail grade with Rotten Tomatoes, so we don't have to worry about, like, an average, you know, was it, you know, one to five stars? It's like, you either gave it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So we'll start with the critics. Can you guess which of these three movies was best received by critics? Gothica. Wow, you nailed it. Uh, they saw something we didn't. <laughs> Uh, no, best reviewed by critics, clearly the critic darling, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Okay. Uh, do you want me to give a number, I guess? 
Yeah, go ahead. And what do you think The Shining got? I think it's going to account for the old reviews, so I'm going to say 91%. Okay. I will tell yes. you The Shining has 96 critic reviews. It Follows has 267, and Gotha has 169 critic reviews. I don't know if that ever sways you where you where you land, but that is the number I'm of, of critics. I'm not good math for it to sway me. Yeah, I, I don't know if it means anything. I just like to give the... I like to give all the data, you know? All right, so you think it follows follows that up? What, what yep, percentage? I'm going to say... I'm going to say it comes close. I'm going to say 87%. And 87, all right. And then Gothica comes in at what? 21%. All righty, so for the critic response, you're actually wrong. On the order? Yeah, It Follows came in at a 96%. I see, I wondered about that. The Shining came in at 84, and Gothica came in at 15. I think The Shining is criminally hey, wait, what low. What did Gothica come in at? 15, 15 or 50? 15, 1-5, 15. 15%. Oof. Um, I was very surprised to see The Shining come in at 84%. See, I wasn't because I feel like it was polarizing at the time. I don't know if Rotten Tomatoes, how far their archive goes back. But if it's including any, you know, weekend or year of release stuff, I can absolutely see it being a little more polarizing. Uh, so here are two of the negative reviews. Um, shock effect and graphic imagery don't compensate for the sense of pointlessness and even distaste that is left at the end of the movie. Um, Kubrick is a master of visual images and many of the scenes display his brilliance but much of the suspense ends in anticlimax and Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall seem overextended in trying to maintain the terror so it seems like a lot of people had a problem with the third act yeah <laughs> it just didn't speak to me I thought it was way too long and a little too slow in pace <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and I think a lot of people might, if they have complaints, might be of the Stephen King variety too. So bad mm -hmm. third act combined with not honoring the source material, I could see how you could get more, you know, division in the review. Yep, and it is very long. It it comes in at two hours and twenty two minutes. Um. So, do you want to give the audience score? What do you think the audience rated it? So The Shining has. 250 plus ratings it follows has 25,000 plus ratings and gothica has 250,000 plus ratings so we got a lot of audience scores that went into these i'm gonna predict the same order that i got wrong on the previous one okay you want to get percentages here is oh, people who take the time to write the review of a shining the shining at this point it's because they're fanatics. So mm -hmm. I don't think they're reviewing it to leave a negative review. Okay. So um, shining number one, what do you think the audience percentage was? 95. Damn close. 93. Okay. It follows. And am I correct in saying that it follows a second? I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, Travis. What okay. do you just well, tell me? I think me. it is. What do you think the audience score I think it's going to be a little lower because I think there are some modern reviews in there. I'm going to say 87. 66. Oh, no. Yeah. Audiences did not respond well to this. Did it beat Gothica? 
Uh, it did I'm beat Gothica. It did. It did beat Gothica. By how much? Gothica came in at forty-five percent. Yeah, that's uncomfortably close for me. Um, the only the top negative audience review I can see was essentially they just said the movie was boring. Maybe I'm not Before refined enough follows. to under yeah. Maybe I'm not refined enough to understand and enjoy this movie as there is only one word I can muster to describe what I watched, and that is boring. I don't agree. I strongly disagree, in fact. But I wouldn't hound on somebody if they felt that way. Mm-hmm. So, on the flip side, I'm going to give you a positive review for Gothica. The jumpy twists are terrifying enough. The loony asylum is a gothic masterpiece, but the continuity is sloppy. Rating 3 out of 5. There's nothing uh, particularly original, gory, or scary about Gothica. A really weak R rating, but it's more or less competent. To me, if you're going to call something a gothic masterpiece and then rate it three out of five, something doesn't line up for me. <laughs> this might be my favorite. The burning question I'm still asking myself, what does Gothica mean? Now that I think of it, I could care less. <laughs> Splat! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was nice. Yeah, it basically meant that we have to cash in on Halle Berry's Monster Ball Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not a great film. So, Ari, sir. Well, if you don't have anything else, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I was thinking something. You mentioned that we love to quote this movie, The Shining, especially some of the darker comedic bits. How thankful are you, Brett, that you never fell in love with a woman named Wendy? Oh, God, very because any time, personally, if I fell in love with a girl named Wendy and I needed something, you know how I would call out to her, Brett? No, how? Wendy. Give me the remote. Stop swinging the remote. Uh, on a side note, can you imagine if we liked Wendy's more? You'd be like, hey, where do you guys want to go eat? Wendy's. Well, now I'm definitely going on my lunch break tomorrow, and I'm just going to badger the drive through speaker. <laughs> Two double stacks, Wendy. Give me the back. Give me the back. You didn't let me finish my sentence. Alrighty, with that, we hope to see you next week. We are starting the, I think, at Art Crimes Trilogy is what we're calling it, um, with Night at the Museum, the 1990s Thomas Crown Affair, then following it up with Netflix original Red Notice. So it'll be fun. Yep, yeah, please join us. Hope you're enjoying everything. Leave a review if you are. And Brett, remind me to watch the right Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, will do. Yeah, you'll definitely get a text message multiple times throughout the week. So, bye.